Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. And the church is marked by living in power, or that is to say living in and by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You need both. You can have all the words you want, but until the Spirit animates or brings that word to life, all you have really is religion. It is the Spirit of God that makes the difference. It is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. There's a fake church that's right now looming in our communities, in this world today, in this nation. Fake church. And the Bible identifies what it is, and we've been endeavoring to do this in this series, so that you will know what the real is. And make sure that you're part of the real, the genuine church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's go back to um, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Uh, 2 Timothy, third chapter. And uh, this has been our, our root, I guess, scripture for the, the series. We're going to go further in it today. And it reads like this. I'm thankful that you're praying with me today. 2 Timothy, third chapter, verse number 1 through 5 says this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days... There will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. And they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will be, or rather, they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will uh, betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Uh, verse 5 has been the verse that we were really just focusing on. And it says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Notice again in verse 5 that they will reject the power that could make them godly, reject the power that could save them. They will reject power. One sign of the fake church is that they will reject power. They will reject power. Let's look at that. But that's not the only thing that they're going to reject, but they will reject power. Now, the real church, again, is marked by power. The real church is marked by power. The fake church is marked by rejection of power. Remember this. The real church is marked by power, but the fake church is marked by rejection of power. What they reject, we accept, we, we take in. Now, if you look at the word reject, Reject can mean many things. It can mean to ignore, ignore this power. It can mean to neglect. It can mean to disregard or put to the side. It can mean to put away. It can mean to refuse to acknowledge. 
So in the end time, he said, these are the last days. In the last days, Timothy, you're going to find a church, a group of people who will reject power, who will ignore power, who will neglect this power, who will put it aside or put it away, who will refuse to acknowledge it. Now, that's very important that you understand that. We're going to go further. So the real church actually lives by power. The fake church rejects power, but the real church lives by power. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 19 through 20. Just two verses, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 19 and 20. And it reads like this, uh, the New Living Translation. It says, but I will come and soon, if the Lord will let me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. You see, when the church was just being established here, there were, there were fakers, pretenders, people that were disingenuous, that were going around saying that they were apostles. And they were wolves in sheep's clothing, and they were trying to lead God's people astray. And here in Corinth, there were a lot of them that came to the churches that Paul had established. And Paul wrote them a letter. He said, I'm coming if the Lord lets me. And I'm going to find out about these fakers that are happening here. And he gave them this word. The, next very, the, the ne very next verse talks about what will mark out the fake from the real. Verse 20 says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. So these people that came down, this fake church, they had a lot to say, a whole lot to say, but they had no power. They had no power. And what marked the real? The power of God. The power of God. But this power is not the only thing that the end time fake church will reject. They will also reject truth. There will also be a rejection of truth. Let's go to same books, um, 2 Timothy. We were just in 2 Timothy, third chapter. Let's look at 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. As we continue to talk about the end, the end time, the end days, which you're living in right now, the Lord's giving you, uh, if you would say, this is a news broadcast. And the Lord is letting you know what's going on at this very moment. And if you listen, you know how to navigate these times. He's already prepared it. Second Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse number one, two, three, and four out of the New Living Translation. And it reads like this. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Look at verse 3. He says, for a time is coming. Again, for a time is coming. And that time is right now. He said, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires 
And they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Verse 4 says, they will reject the truth and chase after myths or fables. They will reject truth. Now, the Bible says that people will go around looking for people to tell them what they want to hear. Now, obviously, this is in a sort of Christian or church concept here because there were here are these people that reject truth. And we know from the third chapter they reject power. And because they reject power and truth, they don't want to hear the message of the gospel, the true message of the gospel. They want to hear something that's going to make them feel good. They want something that's going to make them happy and, and something that will tickle their flesh. He said they will begin to look for people to tell them what they want to hear. And so you will see large crowds beginning to amass around the preacher, the teacher, whoever that's, that has a very fleshly message. And a fleshly message does nothing to change your life. It will not confront the sin. It will not promote uh, righteousness. It will not promote repentance. It will just help you to feel better. It's like feeding opioids to the body. Oh, it's going to make you feel so good. And when you leave, you're going to say, oh, you had a, such a great time. You'll be forever learning, but never coming into the knowledge of truth. You'll be stuck in the same place always. But you went to church, you heard a word, but nothing ever got in. Because there is no power present, no truth present. It was just something that made you feel good. Some people can really preach. I mean, they can preach so well. They can preach the paint right off the walls. Oh, there's nothing wrong with getting excited in church. There's nothing wrong with getting excited and involving your emotions. But what happens after the emotion wears off and wears away? And so the Bible says again in the last days that there will be people that will reject truth and they will reject power. Now, let me tell you, saints of God, this power and this truth are actually one in the same, one in the same. The fake church, again, will reject truth and power. This truth and power is actually not a thing, but it's actually a person. This is a person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. The fake church will reject the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, they will reject the truth because, in fact, it is the Spirit that is power. And the Bible calls him, we'll see this in matter of fact, that we go to John, the 16th chapter, John 16th chapter. Let's see what the Bible calls this Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see this. When the fake church rejects the Holy Spirit, they reject power. When they reject the Holy Spirit, they also reject truth. Power and truth come with the Holy Spirit of God. So the fake church will be one that will be marked with no power and no truth. They can't 
because only the Spirit of God brings power and truth. Look at uh, John 16, verse 13. John 16, 13 says this. Howbeit, Jesus speaking here, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, the truth that he's speaking about here is truth that makes you free. You will find a lot of places that will give you pop psychology messages. Uh, you will find a lot of places that will give you talk about social ills. And, and there's, I mean, psychology has its place. Talking about social ills, that has its place. Surely it does. But in the presence of the Lord, the only answer that you need is to know him. Jesus crucified and him raised from the dead because through Christ you receive everything that you need. Are you hearing? Look at uh, Luke, Luke 4th chapter, Luke 4, verse 14 through 20. It says here, and Jesus returned, I want you to notice this. This is when Jesus went, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. The wilderness was a place of testing. And the only way Jesus got out of that testing time is that he used the word that was in him. Of course, he is the word. He used the word to defeat the enemy. Now, let me go over this with you as well. As we talk about the Holy Spirit and, and how we are led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit led Jesus, and he will also lead you into your time of testing and trial. And you will come out of that time of testing and trial when you use the word that he's given unto you, when you speak the word. Now, in the beginning, God said, everything was in God in the beginning, in the imagination of God, in the heart of God in the beginning. When God spoke, the word stepped out. Jesus stepped out. He is the word of God. The word stepped out and began to manifest what was in the Father's heart. The word creates. The word created what was in the Father's heart. And then the spirit hovered above the face of the deep. The spirit animated, brought to life, brought power into what was spoken. The spirit brings power into what was spoken. You can see this clearly uh, as the father created Adam. The father spoke, the son, the word created the, the body, the shell, and the spirit breathed into him. God said he breathed into Adam. The breath of God, breath, the spirit of God moved into Adam. And Adam became a living soul. The spirit animates the word. The spirit gives life to the word. Without the spirit, all you have is, all you have is word, but there's no life. And when someone preaches word without life, it becomes religion. It becomes something that is very binding. Word without spirit can be bondage because it is, it is the spirit that helps you to do what God is saying. This is what happened mainly in the, uh, many times in the Old Testament. The Lord would give his people a command and they would say, Lord, hey, we can do it. We can do what you called us to do. We can do it. They had the word, 
but they had not spirit. And so they found out that they could not do what God called them to do. But that was the right place because that would lead them to receiving the Messiah. The Messiah would come, and when the Messiah would give his blood and die upon that cross, the Messiah would send back the Holy Spirit. Because with the Holy Spirit, he would animate, bring to life the word of God that was in them. And then they could walk out the word through the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So going back to Luke, the fourth chapter, praise God. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I acknowledge you. Now listen, in, in, in this time, before we get into Luke 4, in this time we're living in now, I want you to really hear this. I know this by the Spirit. As the name of Jesus is offensive to the culture, the Holy Spirit will also be offensive in many churches. They don't want to hear about your Holy Ghost or about your Holy Spirit. They don't want to hear about him. Why? Because in the last days they will reject power, they will reject truth, they will reject him. As Jesus' name is offensive in the culture, you will find that the, the name of Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, will be offensive in many places among the people that say they are of God. Why? Because he brings power and he brings truth. He brings awareness. He exposes sin. And they don't want that. Luke 4, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice the role. We're going to talk about, begin to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in these last days. I want you to understand this child of God. Understand how God will empower you in these last days to, uh, to make his name great, to glorify his name. For his name's sake, he will pour out his spirit upon you. But you must know the role of the spirit in this hour. So again, in, in Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke 4, verse number 14 says this. After, of course, this is after the Lord's experience in the wilderness. It says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through, uh, through all the region round about. Now, I want you to notice this. The Bible says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Now, prior to his time in the wilderness, Jesus was baptized at the River Jordan by John. And the Bible says that the Spirit came upon him, the Holy Spirit came upon him and um, lighted upon him or it continued with him. Jesus then walked into the wilderness with the Holy Spirit. Now, prior to Prior to the Lord's baptism, we do not see anything in Scripture of the, Lord's, the Lord working miracles prior to his baptism, prior to him coming out of the wilderness with power. Why is that? Because Jesus is setting a precedent. The Father is setting a precedent of how you and I should live. Now, true, Jesus is the Son of God. He is now, was then, and it will always be. He is the Son of God. And Jesus could have worked miracles from a baby. He could have been in his crib saying, boo, you're healed, you're healed. He could have done it all from a crib. Hallelujah. He could have done it. But why did he wait to, why did he wait to demonstrate power? Why did he wait? Because he was setting up a pattern, a precedent for you and I. 
Up until that point, Jesus, of course, uh, prophet of God, but he did, not um, he did not demonstrate power because he had not the spirit. Now, surely, again, he is God. He is the word of God made flesh and could have operated in all sorts of miracles. But he wanted to give you and I a pattern. He was setting a pattern that word without spirit produces no miracles. He is word, but when the spirit came, the two worked together to create miracles. Word and spirit. They're like a bird with two wings. Word and spirit. Word and power will create the miracles. So he's setting up a precedent. So notice as he came out, the Bible says in verse number 14 that the Lord returned in the power of the spirit. Does not say he returned in the power of God. It does not say he returned in the power of himself. He returned in the power of the spirit. Therefore, every miracle that's about to be performed through him and in the life of Jesus is actually accredited to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit upon Jesus created and did the miracles. Jesus spoke the work, or rather he spoke the word, and his Father did the work. The Holy Spirit uh, did the work. I pray that you're hearing this. Jesus operated as a spirit-filled man. Not as the son of God, but he operated as the son of man, leaving us an example that we can follow. Because you too will need the power of the Holy Spirit. As we fast forward, and we'll get back into this in a minute, as we fast forward, as Jesus went to the cross and, and his death, burial, and resurrection, and he's, after he's resurrected, he tells his disciples, boys, you've got the word. You've heard what I have said to you these three and a half years. You know what I've said, but I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there until the promise of the Father comes, until you receive the Holy Spirit, until you receive power. Then you go forth. They had word, but they needed power. Word and power created the manifestation of miracles, signs, and wonders. And the church is marked by living in power, or that is to say, living in and by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You need both. You can have all the words you want, but until the Spirit animates or brings that word to life, all you have really is religion. It is the Spirit of God that makes the difference. It is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. He is the anointing of God. He is the fire of God upon us. And if you look in the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament prophets walked with the Holy Spirit. Godly kings were anointed and the Holy Spirit came upon them. In order for them to do a work in the order set in the Old Testament, before a prophet would go forth, before a king would go forth, they had to be anointed. They had to be endued with power from on high. So before Jesus started his public ministry, he too went into the very order and the pattern that he established in the Old Testament. He must have been anointed and empowered by the Spirit of God. 
Now he's out of the wilderness. Now the spirit of God is upon him. Now he's given to do work. And you and I cannot do the work of God truly without the spirit of God. You can give people uh, some food. You can give people clothes. You can give people a nice word. You can try to hug them and encourage them. You can call them and give them a this or that. But you are limited without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Do not neglect or reject the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not put him back. Put him away. Do not ignore him. Acknowledge his presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. It is he that makes the difference. You need the Holy Spirit. You need him. Without the Holy Spirit of God, when people get baptized, all they do is come up wet. There is no change. You must have the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want change, it is he who will lead you into truth. It is he that will show you things to come. You must have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says again, verse 14, the Lord came out in the power of the Spirit. What a testimony. He went to, the, he said that the Bible says in verse 14, and Jesus returned the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the, the region round about, verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, verse 16. Uh, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah uh, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the Lord tells you exactly what happened. And exactly what's about to happen. Verse 18, the Lord says here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He says, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit is upon me. Now, if Jesus, who is indeed all God in flesh, he's the word of God made flesh in the beginning, uh, was God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here is God, Jesus as God, walking among men, but yet and still, he confined himself or restricted himself not to perform any miracles until the spirit came. And how are we, the end time church, trying to operate without the Holy Spirit? And in the last days, I'll say to you again, 
The term Holy Spirit, the name Holy Spirit will be offensive in many churches and many among many church folk because they don't want the power. They don't because the power that the Holy Spirit gives them is a power that can make them godly, the power that could change their lives. And this power may just cause you to get out of that bad relationship. This power may just cause you to come off those drugs or, and put the alcohol down. This power may just cause you to leave some folk alone. This power will change your entire life. But if we just want word, a tickling of the ear, then you don't want the Holy Spirit. You must have the Spirit of God. In order for you to be effective in what you do, you must have the Spirit of God. When you go back into your places of business, go back into your, into your offices, when you go back into whatever you do, into the bakery or whatever place you are, when you go back into your home, you, you must stand there sure-footed and say, Father, I call upon the power of your Holy Spirit to enable me to do what you've called me to do in this place. I receive the presence of your Holy Spirit. What's missing? The Spirit. Adam's body was incomplete without a spirit. You must have the Holy Spirit. After Jesus said that in verse number 20, the Bible says, and, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Everybody's looking now. The spirit is upon him. The spirit is upon him. My God, what would happen to a spirit-led mama? What would happen with a spirit-led grandmama? What would happen to a spirit-led boss? What would happen to a spirit-led street sweeper? What would happen when someone is spirit-led? They, they do their work as unto God, and there's a special anointing in everything that they do. Whether you're cutting hair, whether you're singing a song, no matter what you do, when the Spirit of God, when the anointing is upon you, it is unparalleled. This is a work of God. You could be typing out an invoice. This is an invoice from God. There's something about your work. What is it? It's dripping with the anointing. Because you've allowed the Holy Spirit to come in. You're not ignoring him. You're not pushing him to the side. The Bible says that when you are born again, the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you. Don't ignore him. Don't ignore him. Jesus tells the disciples once again, let's go ahead and read it, that they will encounter the Holy Spirit in Luke 24. As we begin to close, Luke 24, verse 49 says this. It says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. In verse 15, He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. We've said this before, that the word endued there means to sink into. It's like you're putting on new clothes. The Holy Spirit is going to come all on you. He's going to be in you for your sake. The Spirit of God is in you for your sake. 
but he's upon you for others. He's in me to comfort me. He's in you to comfort you and to, and to lead you into truth. Now, baby, you know that's not right. He's maybe in you to tell you now, keep your mouth closed. Mm-mm, don't you say it. He's in you. He's your counselor. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you for you to strengthen you and encourage you. But he's upon you for the world. He comes upon you. He overflows. And this is what's missing in so many places. The Spirit of God is in them, but he's not overflowing upon them. When the Spirit comes upon you, you will be changed into another person. You will be changed. Now let me say this and then we're going to close out today. This is not going to be finished today. You need the Holy Spirit. You need him. You need him. When you're doing your artwork, you need him. When you're cleaning up around your house, you need him. Do not reject him. Do not ignore him. You need him. Whatever you acknowledge gets stronger in your life. Whatever you acknowledge gets stronger in your life. Whatever you ignore gets weaker. If you ignore your spouse, guess what's going to happen to that marriage? Keep on ignoring them. If you acknowledge them, baby, you're such a good wife. Baby, you're such a good husband. Do you acknowledge your children? Oh, baby, I just love you. You did a great job on that little picture. But if you ignore your children, they will grow up away from you. Whatever you ignore, you weaken in your life. Whatever you acknowledge, you strengthen in your life. If you reject the Spirit of God, reject Him, you reject power, you reject truth. You must acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Now, why was this important that the Spirit of God had to come? One, of course, we know you, you as the body of Christ must be empowered. We know that his presence marks us from the things of the world. But again, he has to come for you to have a righteous start. All kings, if they were godly kings, were anointed. God sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint David. What did he go there with? He went there with oil. He anointed David. That oil symbolized the Holy Spirit because that spirit was taken from Saul. Saul messed up big time. And the spirit was put upon the new king, King David. There was always a transferal of power. When one left, the other, the next that stepped up, stepped up in power. When Moses left, Joshua stepped up in power. God never left it vacant unless the person carrying it didn't do what was required or had meet its end. I want you to see how uh, Elijah's transfer to Elisha, how the spirit transferred from one to the other, how the anointing transferred from uh, Elisha to Elijah. I want you to see this because it, 
It talks about us today. This is a foreshadowing. So as a man of God, as Elijah was taken up, his disciple Elisha was there. We're going to pick this up in 2 Kings, 2 Kings, the second chapter. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and we're going to close out today. I don't want to overload you. 2 Kings, the second chapter, verse 12 out of the King James Version. It reads like this. And Elisha saw it, that is, Elijah and Elisha were walking along, and they were talking, and then the chariot of fire came down between them, and Elisha was taken up. Elisha had already told him, if you see me when I'm taken up, you can have what you said. We're going to pick up here in verse number 12. And Elisha saw it. He saw Elijah being taken up. And Elisha saw it and cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He was taken up. And he took hold of his own clothes. Elisha took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two. Symbolizing I'm not going back to this life anymore. Verse 13. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Notice what happened when Elijah was taken up. His mantle fell. The mantle symbolized the presence of the Holy Spirit. Notice that when Elisha was taken up, the power came down. When Elisha was taken up, the power came down. When Elisha was taken up, this mantle that represented the power, that represented the Holy Spirit, came down. When Elisha was taken up, the power came down. How does this talk to you about Jesus today? Because when Jesus was taken up, this power came down. And it came down to all those who would pick it up, who would rent their clothes and say, I'm done with this life. And I received the presence of God. And he wrapped himself with Elijah's robe, with his mantle. What did Jesus say? You will be endued with power. In other words, the power is going to enwrap you. And Elisha went by the brook of Jordan, in verse 14 he says, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he smote the waters, boom, and said, where is the God, where, where, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they departed hither and thither, and Elisha went forth. He had a time of testing. I know the Lord. Is the Lord with me? Is the Lord upon me? And he saw God was with him. And this is how he started his ministry, with the power of God. Upon Elisha's death, there was no successor. He died with the anointing. He died with the power of God upon him. Until, until somebody, a dead body, Long story, a dead body was rolled into his grave. And when that dead body touched the bones of Elijah, that dead body came alive. The anointing revived yet another generation. Jesus has gone. Yes, he's gone up and he's with us today. But when the Lord left, he said, wait there until the power comes down. And that power that came to them on the day of Pentecost is still with us today. His name is the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is available to every born-again believer. The power of God is available to you to overcome addictions, to overcome habits. The power of God is available to you to, to understand difficult things, no matter what job you have, whether you're a doctor or a scientist, no matter what area of life you're in, the Holy Spirit is available for you today to do the work that God has commissioned you to do. Just don't ignore him. He is here. He is here. Lord willing, we'll talk more about the role of the Holy Spirit in this hour or next week when we come back together. But what is your assignment? And if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then you're not a candidate for receiving the Spirit of God because the Word must come first. When you receive the Word and you confess the Word, then the Spirit comes, life comes. If you have received the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's your time now to repent and ask him to fill you again. Fill me again. Give me a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit. Fill me again. God, we repent for ignoring and rejecting your Spirit. This is your day of power. This is your day of change. If you hear the word of God, allow it to come deeply into you. Receive his word. Don't let it slip. Lock it down. And declare him in your place of business, in your home, everywhere you go, in your car. I don't care, in your laundry room, in your bathroom, in your bedroom. You declare the power of the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge him. You will see him moving on your behalf. God loves you. And those of you that are joining us today online, if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, I tell you today is that day. Now is that moment. Don't go another moment without receiving Jesus. He's the only way that you will make it out of this life alive. He's the only way to enter into life eternal. Without him, we'll enter into life, or rather into um, damnable life, into death. You don't want to be resurrected into the second death, as the Bible declares in the book of Revelation. No, not when God has been merciful. This is your hour. It's your moment. If there's anyone in this room today that has never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you, need to, if you need to rededicate your life, then I need you just to pray with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith in Him, faith in Christ that saves you. This prayer, we can get started, but then you have to continue with Him. Let Him change your life. So let's just pray together. And just say, Father, I come to you, a sinner in need of a Savior. I admit that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I repent now and turn to you. And I confess Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior, and my King. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Live in me. Make me yours. I believe, Lord, in your death and your burial and your resurrection and I know you're alive forevermore so from this moment forth 
I receive you. You are mine, and I am yours. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the evidence of a changed life. Change my voice, change my speech, change my thinking, change all of me to look just like you. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my friends, I tell you, welcome to the family of God. Now continue with Jesus. If you don't, if you're not a part of a good Bible-believing church, spirit-filled church, then I tell you to find one. Let the Holy Spirit lead you where that place is. Until then, you can join us every week here at kingdomrock.org. We'd love to have you. If you live closer, live in this area, come on by. And I believe this may be the place for you. We'll see. We'll see you next time. We love you guys. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.